Good morning. I see some new faces, so I'm going to just introduce myself. My name's Kyle. Uh, I'm on staff here at the church as the pastor, and it's uh, always my privilege to get to lead us in opening up our Bibles and studying God's Word. If you've got a Bible with you, uh, you're going to turn to Psalm chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you would love a Bible, uh, the invitation is open for you to take home a Bible today. There's a stack of them in the front entrance, and they're just free for you to take. So if you'd like one, feel free to grab one. Even this morning as I'm talking, if you're like, man, I wish I had one on me, feel free to head out, grab one, and bring it back inside. So today we're beginning a new series, or rather we're revisiting a series that we've done sort of broken up over a number of summers called Summer in the Psalms. We do this series uh, during the summer because it gives us an opportunity to look at this great book of the Bible uh, without having to do it as a three-year-long consecutive study. I mean, the book of Psalms has 150 different chapters, and so rather than sort of go through all that uh, in one big chunk, we're sort of breaking it up over a number of summers, and it's really a great opportunity to sort of be refreshed and re-engage uh, with Scripture in a bit of a different way together as a church. It's also really fun during the series. We always bring in some different voices to be able to speak and share sort of some of the Psalms that have really spoken to them. And so I'm looking forward to over a few weeks this summer having a few different individuals come and share with us. But as we start that, what I'm hoping to sort of start today before we get into Psalm chapter 1 is to just give a reminder of some of the background of this book. There's some who have gone through this book over and over again and you're very familiar. Others, maybe this is a, a new part of the Bible that you really haven't spent a lot of time looking in. And so since we're going to spend a chunk of weeks here, I just want to give some background. So hopefully as we engage, it can become a meaningful part of your life as you study these scriptures along with us. So let me just start with some of the background. The, the book of Psalms is the biggest book in the Bible according to chapter numbers. There's actually one book of the Bible that's longer by word count, but it's got the most chapters, or in this case, individual psalms, with 150 total. The word psalms also means poetry or song, and so what this really is is a whole bunch of different prayers in the form of song and poem, and that makes these really interesting to engage with because we all know like music and poetry have the ability to stir the heart, and so that's one of the things that makes this book really exciting. On the screen behind me, you'll see that there's uh, this breakdown from the Bible Project. And as always, when we start a new series, I encourage you as a church family to kind of go seek out this resource. It's a great one to help you sort of get a breakdown of the books we're studying. But this sort of gives you a picture of how this book that we're going to be working through is laid out. One of the things you'll see is that actually this book is not just one book with a whole bunch of chapters. It's actually a compilation of five different books put together. You got book number one, which is our first number of Psalms, number one to 41, book two, 42 to 47, book three is 73 to 89, 
490 to 106 and 5107 to 150. It's done a little bit different here because different people break down the books in different ways. And in many of our Bibles, if you have a modern translation, it'll have some form of heading as you go along, letting you know you're in one of the different five books. Now, you might wonder, if you're curious like me, why five books? Like, like why do we have the necessity to combine all 150 psalms in this particular way? Well, it's because when the original editors who put the book of Psalms together brought it together, what they wanted to do was mirror the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And what the Jewish people of the day said is they said, God has spoken to us in five books. So we want to respond to him in prayer through five books. And so we see there's a sort of interplay of giving us a sense that a relationship with God is not just about him downloading information to us, but it's also about us responding to him and having a conversation and being engaged with the different things he has to say. Now, some scholars will go and say, wow, these directly connect the first book connects exactly with Genesis. The next book, exactly with Exodus. And I personally think that's a little bit of a stretch. But as you go through, what you'll get the sense of is that there really just is this call and response to God in all sorts of different ways. And as those things are put together, they're tied together with a beginning and an end. Today, we're going to start at the beginning with Psalm chapter 1, but chapter 1 and chapter 2, or Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, are really sort of a, um, an intro to the book. As one pastor from Vancouver said, he said, the first two chapters are the Bible's way of preparing our hearts and minds for all that's going to come after them. So chapter 1 and 2 sort of gives us some wisdom and framework for thinking about the book of Psalms. Then at the end, chapters 146 to 150, in the same way, kind of give us an idea of what should our heart look like by the time we're done going through the Psalms. And so if you want to study along with us as we go through the summer series, I'd really encourage you, before you jump into anything else, just read those first two chapters and those last four and just sort of get a sense of what's being set up for me. What is, what is the idea of how I'm supposed to engage and prepare my heart? And then what should I look like by the time I'm done? How should this have begun to affect a change in me? Now, all along the way, we're going to engage and encounter a whole bunch of different types of prayers. There's all sorts of different prayers in between those bookends, because let's be honest, life is very different in different moments. As we go through the book of Psalms, we're going to see things like Psalms of Lament. Psalm 40 or Psalm 7 are great examples of this. These are those prayers that we pray when we need to express grief and heartache. They allow us to, to, to articulate the deepest, heaviest parts of our souls. 
tied to that, we have things like penitential songs. These are psalms. These are psalms of confession. Most famously, and we're going to touch on this one, uh, Mikey is going to do it later this summer, is Psalm 51. This idea of grieving over our sin and our brokenness and our separation from God and, and wanting to be united with him. We have psalms of thanksgiving, of just appreciating the great things that God has done and has provided. Likewise, we have psalms of praise, which are like thanksgiving in that we're thankful and have a heart of gratitude, but rather than it being about what God has done or what he has provided, there's these prayers about just appreciating who God is himself. We're going to see that there's royal psalms. These were written, remember this is sort of the prayer book for the nation of Israel. And so they have psalms that tie in with things like coronations of kings and expectations of what should happen in a royal event as the people of God. There's going to be psalms of trust and wisdom. And, and these are great psalms for us to go to when, for instance, maybe we're in a time of difficulty and we just need to know, God, I need to know how to articulate how I can trust in you. And I need to be reminded of your goodness. Or I need some insight for, for how I'm going to live in the midst of this life. And, and so all this is sort of brought together through all these different prayers for us as God's people to begin to engage with him, to be shaped by him, to be refreshed by him, to be challenged by him. It's a great way for us to sort of refocus our lives. And one of the great things that we get to celebrate as we go through these Psalms is that we're taking part in praying prayers that have been prayed for thousands of years. First amongst the Jewish people who were following God, then by Jesus himself and the church ever after. We're taking part in an ancient ritual of being able to talk to God through things that God has given to us in his word. Now that's all great, but I think we all know that sometimes when we come to these things, we can end up spending a lot of our time engaging in the material of the Bible, sort of just a reading level, right? We kind of can get the to-do list. Yeah, we're doing summer in the Psalms, and each week in the newsletter, I know what Psalm's going to come out, and so I read it, boom, get it off my list. That's great. I'm done. Well, how can we take this to another level? Well, one of the things I'd encourage us to do as we go throughout this series is to pray the Psalms. Praying through the Psalms is one of the ways that I have found uh, best to incorporate this part of scripture into my life. These are individual and corporate prayers which have been handed down for generations to us. And if you're like me, you end up in times where your prayer life can be stagnant. You know, it just feels like I'm, I'm praying some of the same every day, and it just doesn't feel like there's much going on there. And by praying the Psalms, it can kind of bring me into praying something new. Sometimes praying the Psalms is a great way for me to sort of have a, a new set of words or language particularly when I'm going through times of grief or overwhelm or frustration, it can be difficult for me to articulate everything that I want to say to God. And so by going through the Psalms and, and praying along with others 
who have done the same, I can sometimes find some of the language that I need to talk to God. In other ways, it can also help be sort of a launch pad for me. So how do we do this? Let me give you sort of three ways or three things you can do to consider as you want to pray the Psalms. And I've stolen these from other people who have taught me to do this very thing. The first one I would encourage you to do is to just pray the Psalm as if it's your own words. One of the great things that we have is that someone has articulated a good prayer. And so what I like to do in this time is I like to first sort of take a a psalm and I read it through and I sort of study it and I consider it what it might say and what the different things mean. And, And sometimes I understand all of it. Other times I sort of understand only part of it. But then as I engage God with it after I've read it, I just respond to him with those same words. Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. It's a great prayer when I need to confess my sins to God and I can go through. And so this is a great way, if maybe you struggle with the language of prayer, to use the Psalms to help your prayer life. The second thing that I love to do is to read a Psalm and look for something that the Holy Spirit sort of draws out to me. This is all God's word. So we're not here really sitting and being like, is this good or bad? This is God's word to us, for us. And so when we can look at it, we can say to the Holy Spirit, hey, would you reveal yourself to me or what I need to learn from you or what I need to say to you today? And as we do that, it's amazing how often the Holy Spirit answers that prayer because he wants to be in relationship with us and things pop up off of the page. And so oftentimes what I'll do is I'll just sort of meditate through this psalm, and then as something begins to stand out to me, I talk to God about it. Hey, God, this is really standing out to me. What are you trying to say? Or, wow, God, that really resonates deeply with me, and and here's what I think about this, and I talk to God about this. This is also something, as I say that, that you don't have to rush through. Sometimes we sort of do our checklist for the day and we want to make it all the way through, but it doesn't have to be that way. This past fall, I spent two months in the same psalm, and every single day, something new popped out to me, and I just had a great time of refreshing prayer, talking to God about it, and listening to him in response to what he was saying through the text. But we have all these different ways that we can do it, and Maybe yours is just that you're going to use it as a launch pad. That's the third way. You're going to come to a psalm. You're going to wait to sort of see what's stirred up in you because it's poetry. It's music. Those things have a lot to say to us. And then you're just going to take off with it. God, this is what's on my heart and mind. As I read your word, Lord, this is standing out to me. And just go from that place. Remember, prayer is just a conversation. Just an opportunity to speak to God and to hear from him. And we can do that every single day as we go through the Psalms. All right, with that in mind, let's, let's dig into one. And what we're going to do is we're going to study Psalm chapter 1 just briefly today. And then what we're going to do at the end of our time together is we're going to pray. We're actually going to practice this as a part of our service today. And so what I want you to do as we go through, and I'm going to sort of highlight a few different things from the psalm is I just want you to listen. 
Just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to talk about with me today? And then as we engage with that, we'll come to a time at the end where we'll just pray. And then we'll respond to God through worship, through song. So first, let me just pray. Holy Spirit, we trust that you are here with us now, and we thank you that you are alive and active. God, we thank you that you care enough to be with us each and every day. We thank you that your word never gets spoken and comes back empty, but that it continues to be your voice to us. So Holy Spirit, I would ask that today you just really clearly articulate to each one of us what you'd have to say. And then Lord, when we respond to you, Lord God, would the words we say just really help us to connect with you and take a next step in the conversation that you're bringing us in on. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you speak so much more loudly than me. So Lord, even now as I open up our word with our church family, Lord God, would these words not be mine, but would they be yours? Would you silence anything that I should not say? Would you amplify anything that you want to say through me? And Lord God, we thank you that we can trust you because you love us so much. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's read Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. But not so for the wicked. They are like chaff that, blow, that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So right away we see that the editor of the psalm sort of puts this up front and he paints a picture for us at the beginning of engaging with these prayers. He says there's two ways to live in life, two paths that we can choose to take. One leads to a good place, the other not so much. And we see that, the key verse in, in verse 6 we see, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. There's two paths. One's the path that, that God's watching over you and that you're encouraged to take, and the other path will lead to destruction. But as he begins, as the psalmist begins the psalm, he says, Blessed, blessed is the one who goes in the right way. Now, blessed in Hebrew here doesn't give us this idea of being lucky. You know, sometimes we can use blessing or, oh, I'm so blessed in such a way that we're like, man, I'm just so lucky. That's not at all what the psalmist is trying to say. Instead, it gives us this idea of being fulfilled in life and being contented. Not being happy because good things are coming our ways, but really having a deep soul satisfaction. Content in life and satisfied of soul is the one who walks a certain way. 
Now, obviously, I think every single one of us, if we were given a choice and told, you can walk this way and receive contentment and happiness and blessing and satisfaction, or you can go this way and enter destruction, we'd all look and say, well, that's not much of a choice at all. I'm going to walk this way. But the psalmist gives warning here. They talk about a dangerous progression which can lead us away even if we've decided to walk the right way. Right there in the beginning, we see this. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinner takes or sits in the company of mockers. This isn't three different ideas here that the psalmist is giving us. It's actually a progression, and it's one that I'm quite familiar with. When I was training to be a wilderness guide, one of the pieces of training we had was learning how to assess your group on a trail. And this becomes incredibly evident as you begin to hike with people. You know, whenever you start out with a the whole group is usually excited and you're off and you're ready to go and everyone's just sort of marching and having a good time and chatting and laughing and, and we're sort of just hiking up the mountain and we're having a good day. But slowly what you're going to see is people begin to need some refreshment. People need to have a little bit more to carry on. And so what's going to happen is they're going to, as they're walking, though they're starting to get a little bit more fatigued, is they're going to swing the backpack over their back, going to grab maybe a granola bar out of there, maybe have a little bit of a drink, and they're going to keep on moving, but they're going to sort of refuel and refresh as they're going. And that's great. You can keep going at that pace if, if this is in the middle of your hike. But beware if that's at the beginning. It's going to be an awful long day. Because what's going to happen next is the next break is going to be this. Whew. Yeah. Oh, this is a great hike. Oh, this is amazing. And you're going to notice what's going to happen is everyone's just going to stand around a little bit. Right? No one's, no one's ready to sit down yet. But we're tired, and so we're standing, maybe leaning up against the tree. Maybe we're looking out, stretching our back as we look over the view of the valley and Whew, this is whew, a tough hike. And we start to progress that way. And again, this is okay if you're most of the way, but again, at the beginning, we're in trouble. Because the next break is the worst of all, and that's to sit on the hike. You know this one? You get up, and you go to take a break, and everyone sits down on a rock. Oh! We take off our pack. Or maybe have a little bit of a snack. Well, this is a great break when you're tired. But the problem is it has to come to an end unless you're at the end of your hiking day. And then everyone does this. I could stay here. What if we just pitch you 10 years? This is all right. Who said we had to go all the way? Right? As a guy, this is a point where you're sort of poking and prodding, and you're, you're like, get up, and, and some people don't want to get up. But even if they do get up, what do they do? Oh, I shouldn't have backed so much. 
right? And what happens is we want to stay that way. We want to take a break. And like when we're on a hike and we go through the progression, what the psalmist is trying to say is the way of the wicked, the way that leads towards destruction has progression. It doesn't just end up this way for so many people. It's not like they were like, nah, I don't want blessing, I want destruction. But instead what happens is they begin to live without wisdom and go in sort of a different way. They begin to walk with those who are far from God and living wrong. And as you walk, you talk, and you do life together, and slowly what become, begins to happen is you slow your pace. And then maybe someone says something that causes you to stop and think. Hmm. That's really not so bad. Maybe there, maybe there is something to this other way. Psalmist warns, do not stand in the path with the sinners. Why? Because then we end up seated with the mockers. As we become desensitized to living on this other path, we become blind to its impact on our own life. And slowly what happens is it begins to take root in us. And we begin to say, well, why don't we just set up camp here for a little longer? Maybe you felt that way in, in different ways in different parts of your life. I know I have where, you know, the, you, you sin and the first few times you participate in that sin, you go, wow, that, that oh, man, I got a lot of shame and guilt. Or, or maybe someone's telling you, hey, you don't, you don't need, need to really be involved in that. And at first you're like, red flags are going off, alarm bells are ringing, this isn't right. But then slowly you become numb to it. Slowly, it begins to make sense. Slowly, that sin begins to, to satisfy something for you temporarily until the point comes where you're no longer living and hiking in the way of God, in the way of Jesus. But instead, you begin to take residence in a path where you're going to get run over and you're going to find you meet your destruction. The psalmist warns, life apart from God in this way is like chaff. Chaff is the little protective casing on certain types of seeds. When you first look at the grain, you might say, oh, I can turn all of that into some great product. But in ancient times, what they realize is that stuff has no value and it ruins the good things that you want to make. And so what they would do is they would begin to sift it by tossing the grain into the air. And the chaff is so light that it just blows away, leaving the good grain left for produce. Well, in the same way, what he's saying is the destructive life might have times where it looks great and it looks like it's going to produce great things for you. But if you really sift it, if you really take time to go through it and to consider it, you'll see that once what looked good will just get blown away. It'll leave you empty. It'll leave you unfulfilled. It will lead for you not on the road of blessing. Well, I don't want to live that way. 
So what's the alternative? Well, fortunately, the psalmist has something to say. How do we live a life of blessing? Well, for starters, it's implicit within the text. Do the other thing. If you find yourself walking along with people who are giving you counsel that is ungodly, stop and consider it. When people give you advice and people give you direction in life, stop to process. Is this leading the right way? If I listen to this, if I stop and stand in this path, which way will I be facing? If I begin to walk in the wrong way, which we all will do, Am I going to stop and stand and take up residence here? Or am I going to, even though maybe this feels good or feels right or sounds good or justifies or whatever, am I going to say no? And I'm going to get up and keep moving in the right sort of way. In Matthew 7.13, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Jesus was teaching in a Sermon on the Mount, something that resembles what we read here in the book of Psalms. But here in Psalm chapter 1, and I think Jesus' listeners would have heard this by extension, by the way Jesus taught, the psalmist writes this about how to experience blessing. It says in verse 2 and 3, but, so the opposite of going the way of destruction, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate it on meditate on it day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Throughout the Psalms, we're going to see this language of the law of the Lord. And this is used to describe God's word to us. So think scripture. And it's also used to talk about his way of living, living in the way of God. And so here, the advice that is given, which will help us live a life that is blessed and contented in the person of Jesus as we walk with the Holy Spirit for the glory of God, is a person who reads and studies and meditates and delights in, enjoyably lives in the way that that teaches It's the person who doesn't just read the Bible, but who actually prays the Bible. It's not the person who just has knowledge about the Bible, but the person who applies it to their lives joyfully, then receives the blessing of God's kingdom in their lives as they follow Jesus faithfully. Many people lack in the vitality of, of spiritual life because they don't engage in the way that God invites us to do. We don't meditate on it. Right here it says day and night. This is an always sort of thing. He says to delight. This isn't a begrudgingly thing. We follow Jesus with delight because we've seen the sacrifice he made on the cross to make a way for us to enter in to the road that leads all through his kingdom until the fullness of his kingdom comes one day on earth as it is in heaven. A tree planted by a river has a continual fresh source of water. And because its roots are able to sink deep down in the soft soil to touch the water table, 
unlike all the trees around it, it will begin to be able to pull the nutrients it needs and the water it needs to grow. Not just to survive, but to thrive. To bear fruit. To prosper. This is what we, we talk about when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from living this way. And so Jesus gives us a reminder, likewise. He says, remember, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, how do we remain with Jesus? We spend time in his word. <coughs> Excuse me, we spend time taking what he has to say seriously, applying it to our lives delightfully so that we can know him, so we can hear from him, so we can better learn his heartbeat so that as we live and move and breathe, we keep walking in a path that sees more and more of his kingdom grow in our lives. That's the better way. As I said, one of the things I want us to do today is just reflect. We've been doing this more regularly as a church is to incorporate these times of reflection into our services because we don't want to just come and go from this place. We want to digest what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. And so we're going to pray. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to pray Psalm 1. And you can pray it in any sort of way you want. What's going to happen, I'll open our time of prayer. We'll put Psalm 1 up on the screen. And I just want you to take time in whatever way you need to respond to God's word. Maybe there's one of those images. Maybe there's one of those pieces where you say, that's me. Or that's who I want to be. And this is an opportunity for you to just say whatever you need to about that to God. Maybe you don't have the words to articulate. So I encourage you just to read through and just pray it as it is. God, I know I'll be blessed if I'm the one who does not do this and does that. However you need to do it, let's take time to just stop and pray. And then after that, we're going to close with a song of reflection. Let's pray. <coughs> Excuse me, Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word to us. God, I thank you first and foremost that you sent your son to die so that by faith we could join you on this roadway. That we can experience the blessing that comes from salvation in Jesus' name. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have come to live and move and breathe within, each side, within the lives of everyone here in this room who believes in you. God, I thank you that you're moving even in the lives of those who are far from you. But Lord God, we thank you that you take scripture, you reveal it to us in such a way that we can hear exactly what we need to hear and so we can respond to you in a meaningful way. So Lord God, now as we look at this psalm, I just pray we would connect with you in, in, in meaningful ways. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.